Greetings to everyone in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here this morning. I have been blessed, and I told Susan that uh, uh, we could go home in light of all that we heard this morning. I trust that you all were encouraged. Thank you, Michael, for that children's lesson. I uh, was rejoicing for the wrong army. I don't know if you heard that or not. I thought I was kind of in and out, and and I was uh, all excited about what you were talking about the army, and I realized it was the wrong army. <laughs> but uh, praise God for the army, the heavenly host. <clears throat> so I greet you all in Jesus' precious name this morning, and God bless uh, the Weaver family for being here this morning, visitors, and uh, the group's a little smaller this morning. We had some sickness, but... Uh, Trust others are listening in. <clears throat> well, I have been blessed. Like I said, I've been blessed with what's been shared already. And uh, I guess yesterday as I was praying, I had kind of something in the beginning or the middle of the week maybe that I was drawn to after I realized that uh, I would be on for preaching today. Um, <clears throat> but my heart cry was, that in light of all that's happening, uh, I guess it would have been after I heard about the kidnapping too, and also in light of what we're facing here as, a, as far as with some of the sicknesses. <clears throat> some, of, some of us have been spared, and others have, uh, maybe I can just say Andrew, I talked to Andrew, and it was pretty, if I guess, pretty difficult there for him <clears throat> himself, and uh, his wife and children there. So I guess my part of my burden here is this morning is it's not the title, but maybe the subtitle that we pray for each other. And thank you, David, too, for what you shared there in the opening. Uh, we need each other. We need to pray for each other. Your prayer, brother, I need. We need each other. We need each other's prayers. We have a God in heaven who answers prayer. And uh, we heard such a beautiful illustration of that in the children's lesson there when uh, Elijah, or just how was it there? His servant's eyes were open. God opened his servant's eyes and he saw the, the army that was all around. I just said to Lee, if God be for us, Brother Lee, we talked a little, talked a little bit back there after children's lesson. Um, if God be for us, who can be against us, brothers and sisters? If God be for us, who can be against us? We have a God who is almighty, and there's nothing that he cannot do, and we can trust him. And I'd like to also just mention this song that was picked this morning. Thank you, Jennifer, again for that song that we sang this morning together. <clears throat> I needed that song. <clears throat> Dear Lord and Father of mankind, forgive our foolish ways. Reclothe us in our rightful mind, in pure lives that service find, in deeper reverence praise. <clears throat> o Sabbath rest by Galilee, O calm of hills above. Where Jesus knelt to share with thee the silence 
of eternity interrupted by love, interpreted by love. <clears throat> Breathe thou the heats of our desires, thy coldness and thy balm. Let sense be dumb, let flesh retire. Speak through thy earthquake, wind and fire. O still small voice of calm, amen. <clears throat> I don't know, I guess I was blessed with the song service, with all that we heard already, and just the spirit of the meeting here this morning, um, thinking of there Elijah, when he, again, Elijah, when he, he heard there was an earthquake and there was a wind and there was fire, but God was not in that. He was in, he heard, and then he heard a still, small voice. And that's my desire this morning, is that we would continue to hear the still small voice of God speaking to our hearts this morning. We need, we need, we need God today. Uh, yesterday's uh, blessings and grace. We need a fresh grace again today, and we need to be encouraged. And I, I, I have been encouraged already. But uh, before we go into the uh, the message, let's just let's just pray. Could we do that? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. God, again, Lord, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your peace that passes all understanding. Thank you, God, that you love us, Lord, and that you care for each and every one. And you want each one in this room, Father, to make it to the end. Oh, God, I pray, help us. Help us to encourage each other. Oh, Lord, God, not to lose sight of the prize that is set before us. Even as Jesus, the prize that was set before him, he endured the cross. And may we endure the things that come our way. Oh, God, I pray, help us here this morning, Lord. We worship you, we praise you, we thank you that you're for us. And that you're not against us, God. Every single soul and everyone that's listening in. Oh, God, you love them, you care for them. And even those that are not uh, across the world, Lord, you care for all your people and those that do not know you, 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 you're reaching out to them, God, and we pray, O oh Lord, that you would again have your way here in our midst this morning, God. Speak to our hearts, Lord, encourage our hearts, God, and O oh Lord, I pray that we would, that we would uh, hear your small voice, still small voice, Lord, and as we look into the scriptures, God, bless your scriptures, the word of God. Oh, Lord, I pray, oh, Father, just bless your word this morning, Lord, and help me to say only those things, oh, God, that you would have me to say. Oh, Father, there would not be a hindrance, God, to what you're doing already here this morning, but, Lord, that it would somehow, that I could be a co-labor with you this morning, God. We worship and we praise you, we thank you, and be with those that cannot be here this morning because of sickness, Lord. God, we pray that you would minister to their hearts and grace them with your grace, God. And we do ask, Father, for your healing touch, Lord. Oh, God, we pray for Andrews and Vernons and Jonathans and uh, um, uh, Randalls, too, I think, are down with something. Lord, we pray for your healing touch, oh, God, and others that might uh, not be here because of sickness or whatever. Lord, we pray, oh, God, Father, be real to each and every one of us, Lord, and be real to the captives this morning, God, down there in Haiti. Oh, Lord, we pray, God, that your peace, the peace of God, which passes on understanding, oh, Lord, would be ruling and reigning in their hearts. Oh, God, the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. 
God, be very near to them, Lord, we pray. And God, do confound the wicked men, God, that have them in hostage. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, Father, God, that you would have mercy, Lord. Oh, God, and yes, like we heard in the children's lesson, Father, that you would blind their eyes, God. Oh, Lord, we pray, Father God, and that you would open their spiritual eyes, oh, God. Lord, we beg of you in Jesus' name, God, that you would show yourself strong. Father, we, we, we believe that you will and that you are. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's turn to, uh, to uh, 1 John chapter 4. <clears throat> First John chapter four. Uh, I think I'm going to read this. It's uh, there's a lot in here, and uh, I guess again my burden is is that I would not overshadow what's in here by my much speaking. <clears throat> so let's read here in First John chapter four, beloved. What endearing words from our Apostle John. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now ready is in the world. Ye are of God, little children. Ye are of God, little children, and overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And then he says again, Beloved, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the appropriation for our sins. And then again He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we are also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby, hereby know we, hereby know we, John likes that, no. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess, 
Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness. Brother Tyler, if you're listening in or not, herein is our love. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And yea, even now, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love Him because He first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar, for he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God? Whom he hath not seen. And this commandment, and this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. <clears throat> Let's turn to Colossians 1.26 yet for a reading of scripture. Sorry, I'm in the wrong book. Doesn't work. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. I think it was the last time that I shared here on uh, True Faith That Works. Uh, I was thinking about this thing of the mystery, the mystery of the gospel, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Brothers and sisters, we have something that the Old Testament saints didn't have. And Brother David, what you shared there about in the Hebrews there, I think most of those were in the Old Testament. They had great faith in God. But there was something that they did not have. They did not have Christ in them. Christ was with them or God was with them. But they did not have Christ in them. And the, the, the mystery of the gospel is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. If Christ is in me, 
I have great hope to go to glory. Amen? If Christ is in me, praise God. This is the mystery which they, I believe, look forward to to see. And we'll say some more about that. The title that I have this morning is Christ in You. Christ in You. What a blessed thought. This God that we sing about, this God that we talk about, this God that we read about, this Jesus who came and gave His life, shed His blood, gave His all. This Christ, this Jesus living inside of me. So the title is Christ in You. So let's go back to 1 John now again. Oh. Somebody had to give their life this morning for this message. And it was a little sparrow. Can you see that little sparrow? Joshua did a pretty good job this morning. He got it in such a way that it didn't mangle it up with a 22. But the poor bird died this morning. I saw a nice, <laughs> I saw a nice blue jay out there, and I asked Susan, "Can I shoot a blue jay? It will be a little bigger." <laughs> but I don't think they're allowed to shoot a blue jay, so we didn't bring a blue jay this morning. But you know, Jesus talked about sparrows. <clears throat> well, why do I have the sparrow along this morning? <clears throat> This bird yesterday was flying around, wasn't it? It was alive. You have little birds like that at your place? Probably do. <laughs> do your brother shoot the little birds like this? <laughs> but this little birdie was alive yesterday. This morning, I told Josh to do this, so I'm the guilty one. I told Josh to go out and shoot a bird, and I also had asked Levon, and I guess Josh beat him to it. But, <laughs> but this birdie was alive yesterday; it was flying around. But this morning it's dead. There's no life in it. There's no life in it. It's dead. I can touch it. And you know a little birdie like this, if it would be alive, it would not allow me to do this to it. Nice little feathers. Sweet little birdie. But it's dead. It's dead this morning. Let's go on here and, and uh, we'll make some more comments on the 
sparrow this morning. <clears throat> we have here in John, um, Paul, or uh, John starts out with saying, Beloved, endearing words. And I, and I read that, is it in John there where, where, where uh, John said, he, he, uh, John in whom, the, uh, whom Jesus loved, and, and it says there that, that John was laying on the bosom of Jesus. <clears throat> I don't know what you think of that, but uh, we would probably get a little nervous if we would see that around here. <clears throat> but somehow, it was pure, it was holy, it was right. <clears throat> Beloved, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. We are commanded here to try the spirits. There's many different spirits that are out there. We have the false spirits. We have the false prophets. We have uh, Antichrist. We have those spirits. And we're called to try the spirits. Well, I don't know what you think of this passage here, at least the first couple, uh, uh, probably verse 1 to 4, here about trying the spirits. But I'd like to take a little more uh, practical approach to this subject, maybe this morning. And I don't think I'm going to do damage to what maybe we normally would look at in this account here. Well, let's just go to Matthew chapter 7, 15 to 20. It says here, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Verse 15 again, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Inwardly, they are ravening wolves. We are to try the spirits. We're to test. We're to test and we're to, to see whether they are for real or not. And here Jesus gives us a, a way to discern who is a true prophet or a false prophet. It's by their fruits ye shall know them. By their fruits ye shall know them. So to me, that's maybe a little bit more practical than uh, like we probably would normally, like I would normally look at this as far as trying the spirits to ask the spirit to confess whether Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. So I'm just going a little bit more in a practical route here this morning. And... uh, I read 
I read, I had this book by, uh, oh, what is it, Harvey and Tate um, on humility. Now I don't know if I can find that paper. I thought I had it along here. Well, I might just have to try to share it. Um, it was on humility. It was this, uh, I think it was maybe Catholic. Interesting. But it, they, they heard of, a, of a, a nun or something that miracles were happening. And so he sent one of his, if you will, servants or ministers to go see whether there are, were miracles or not. Maybe some of you have heard this already. <clears throat> and so this, uh, this servant went and he went through the mud and the whatever and he was all dirty and messy when he got there and he asked this person that was perf- nun or I think it was a nun was supposedly performing miracles and, and uh, <clears throat> she, the, the pretty much the response was, I don't have time to, to help you. I have bigger and better things to do. I wrote down here, no humility, no Christ, no true miracles. By your fruits, ye shall know them. By your fruits, ye shall know them. <clears throat> okay, let's go back again to First John, if you're, maybe you're still there. Uh, <clears throat> as far as trying the spirits, verse 4 it says, let's read verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. This little birdie here is not overcoming the world anymore. Yesterday it was flying up in the sky. I I probably was. and it was overcoming the world and gravity and all that. It was, it was flying. You like to fly like the bird? <laughs> but you know, today it's dead and it, it's, it, it, it can't overcome the gravity or overcome the world. It's dead. <clears throat> well, here it says, how do we overcome the world? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ alive inside of me, Christ alive inside of you can fly like a little birdie, if you will, and fly above this world and its sin and wickedness and, and, and whatever else that we need to overcome in the, in the Christian life. Are you with me? How do we overcome Christ in you, the hope of glory? I can paraphrase that a little bit, you know, uh, glory flying in the sky. Christ in you, the hope of glory. How do we overcome? It's by having Christ in us that we can overcome. I read a book by Mark Yoder. 
Uh, some of you, Elvin, you know Mark Yoder. You saw him out there, Pablo Yoder's brother. Uh, some of us met him out at, uh, or Elvin and I met him out at uh, Menden, Ohio. He was there, preached a couple messages. But anyways, he wrote a book that my wife got from Christian Aid. It's, uh, what's the title? Stronger Than Fire. And last Sunday, I wasn't at church. I, I was sick. I wasn't feeling well. So I ended up picking up that book, and I read it. It's a pretty big, thick book. But uh, I don't usually just sit down and read a book as and this was not a storybook, but it was a book about a man that translated the Bible into the uh, Spanish language. And I don't remember, or I, I, I don't remember his name, but it was the same era, same time that was what was happening in the Anabaptists in York, where they were being persecuted and martyred and all those things. And this, in this book, he gave some different accounts of uh, men that were martyred. <clears throat> They were tortured. And the one, the one I, I remembered this morning about while they were in the, in the chamber or uh, torture chamber, however you want to say it, he thought to himself, it was Catholics that were torturing him. And he thought to himself, I mean, he was in, they had him in pain. They had him on, on a rack and pulled his joints out and then, I don't know, put him back together again. It was just very painful. And his, his, his thought or his comment was that, that uh, as far as drawing them, that they would try, by, by what they're doing, what, by what they were doing, to try to persuade him that that is the gospel that he would want, to him was like, I, I don't want your I don't want your religion. I don't want your gospel. They did not have the living Christ. Even though the Catholics there, at that time, they thought they were, they were doing God a, a, a favor. They were doing God. They were doing what God wanted them to do. Mm. Mm. Oh, may God help us to allow Christ to live, truly live in our hearts and our lives. Verse 5, it talks about they that are of the world, uh, they are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. <clears throat> I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to, if I, I'm kind of wrestling a little bit in light of these different scriptures that I have. <clears throat> but there's a lot in here. I might just, maybe, maybe before I go on, on verse 5 here, just to give you a little uh, layout what I saw here. The first verses 1 to 6 is pretty much about trying and knowing this, uh, what spirit uh, is. Uh, it talks here about this, verse 6, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, knowing and uh, identifying uh, the false prophet and the spirit of antichrist. That's what you have in... Uh, uh, verse 1 to verse 6. And then after that, it's about God and His love and how that all plays out, maybe you could say. 
And, and as I was looking at this last, I think it was Wednesday or so, as I was reading through this, it just really, it just really stood out to me. Why did Paul go into this great, if you will, uh, talk about the love of God after he was talking about trying the spirits? Ever see that connection? I believe there's a connection there. At least that's as I was meditating on it, as I was reading it, it's kind of like this is very interesting. Very interesting. You see those Catholics back then that were persecuting the Christians. They thought that they were doing God a favor. But Christ was not within them. They were of the Antichrist. They killed their brother, if you want to call them uh, their brother. or their, uh, They looked at him as heretics. They killed him. That's how they got rid of him. That's what you do, you... You, 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 uh, and I got a little bit maybe more understanding, a little bit more. I, maybe someday I'll plant my uh, feet into that whole thing of, of, uh, of uh, oh, who was it back then? Uh, Martin Luther and Calvin. And, and he had a little bit in there about Calvin, this man that wrote, or uh, um, I, did I say wrote the Bible or... In, uh, Translated the Bible. <clears throat> he he talked to uh, uh, John Calvin. I thought that was very interesting. Here was a man that talked to John Calvin back there. But anyways, you know their whole concept was to, uh, uh, to use force to have a have a state or a, a, a state or a, a, a body of believers that and and it would be. You know, they would use force like the government does and all that, but yet they believe the Bible. And they ended up, Martin Luther and Calvin, I think, some of those, they would have martyred the Christians, the Anabaptists back then. But they were not, they were not, uh, how should I say this morning? Was Christ in them? How can you kill your brother or kill someone and Christ be in you? Isn't that John's point this morning? Isn't that John's point? <clears throat> Philippians 3:17 to 20, uh, Paul is writing there and he says something about uh, um, they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. They, uh, well, maybe I should just turn there. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. 
I like to read something that I was reminded as I was meditating on this this past week. How many of you have ever read uh, Tozer's, uh, it's like a track on the, the old cross and the new cross? Raise your hand. Okay, we have a couple that would have read it. Or <clears throat> Tozer wrote a, a, an article on the old cross and the new, and I'm not sure if I should read the whole thing or not, but let's start here, maybe in the beginning. <clears throat> Unannounced and most undetected, there has come in modern times a new cross into popular evangelical circles. It is like the old cross, but different. The likenesses are superficial. The differences fundamental. From this new cross has sprung out a new philosophy of the Christian life. And from that new philosophy has come a new evangelical technique, a new type of meeting, and a new kind of preaching. This evangelism employs the same language as the old, but its content is not the same and its emphasis not as before. The old cross would have no truck with the world. For Adam's proud flesh, it meant the end of the journey. It carried into effect the sentence imposed by the law of Sinai. The new cross is not opposed to the human race. Rather, it is a friendly pow, and if you understand, And if you understand, all right, it's a source of oceans of good, clean fun and innocent enjoyment. It lets Adam live without interference. His life motivation is unchanged. He still lives for his own pleasure. Only now he takes delight in singing choruses and watching religious movies. Instead of singing Bali songs and drawing hard, drinking hard liquor, the accent, the ascent is Accent is still on enjoyment, though the fun is now on a lighter plane, morally if not intellectually. The new cross encourages a new, entire, different evangelistic approach. The evangelist does not demand uh, putting away of the old life before a new life can be received. He preaches not contrast, but similarities. He seeks to key into public interest by showing that Christianity makes no unpleasant demands. Rather, it offers the same thing the world does, only on a higher level. Whenever the sin-mad world happens to be clamoring after after at the moment, is cleverly shown to be the very thing the gospel offers, only the religious product is better. I read that right? I think I know what it means, but uh, it almost seemed like uh, backwards. The new cross does not slay the sinner. It redirects him. It gears him into a cleaner and a jollier way of living and saves his self-respect. To the self-assertive, it says, come and assert yourself for Christ. To the egoist, it says, come and do your boasting in the Lord. To the thrill-seeker, he says, come and enjoy the thrill of Christian fellowship. The Christian message is slanted in the direction of the current uh, order to make it acceptable to the public. The philosophy back of this kind of things may be sincere, but it is, may be sincere, but it is sincerely does not have, does not save it from being false. It is false because it is blind, it misses completely the whole meaning of the cross. 
You know, this illustration with the bird was to illustrate to, to, to have the life of Christ within us and that, and that you can fly above the, the world. But there's another illustration here that, and hopefully we won't get things confused here this morning, but our old man needs to die like that bird did. We need to give up on ourselves. So let's continue reading here. The old cross is a symbol of death. It stands for the abrupt, violent end of a human being. He's talking about literal there. The old cross is a symbol of death. It stands for the abrupt, violent end of a human being. The man in Roman times who took up his cross and started down the road had already said goodbye to his friends. He was not coming back. He was going out to have it ended. The cross made no compromise. Modified nothing, spared nothing. It slew all of the man completely and for good. It did not try to keep in good terms with its victim. It struck cruel and hard, and when it had finished its work, the man was no more. The race of Adam is under set death sentence. There is no escape. God cannot approve any of the fruits of sin, however innocent they may appear or beautiful to the eyes of men. God salvages the individual by liquidating him and then raising him up again to newness of life. The evangelist which draws friendly parallels between the ways of God and the ways of men is false to the Bible and cruel to the sound souls of its hearers, giving him a false hope, putting in my own words. The faith of Christ does not parallel the world. It intersects it. In coming to Christ, we do not bring our old life up onto a higher plane. We leave it at the cross. The corn of wheat must fall, the corn of wheat must fall into the ground and die. We who preach the gospel does not think of ourselves as public agents sent to establish good will between Christ and the world. We must not imagine ourselves commissioned to make Christ acceptable to big businesses, the press, the world of sports or modern education. We're not diplomats but prophets and our message is not a compromise but a an autotum. And I was going to look that word up. Maybe, Larry, you can expound on that word means. But anyways... <clears throat> Uh, God offers life, but not an improved old life. The life He offers is life out of death. It stands always on the far side of the cross. Whoever will possess it must pass under the rod. He must uh, himself and conquer in God's just sentence against him. What does this mean to the individual, the condemned man, who would find life in Christ Jesus? How can this Theology be translated into life. Simply we must repent and believe. We must forsake, he must forsake his sins and then go on to forsake himself. Let him cover nothing, defend nothing, excuse nothing. Let him not seek to make terms with God, but let him bow his head before the stroke of God's stern displeasure and acknowledge himself worthy to die. Having done this, let him gaze with simple trust upon the risen Savior. And from Him will come life. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Having your eyes on the Savior, from Him will come life and rebirth and cleansing and power. The cross that ended the earthly life of Jesus now puts an end to the sinner and the power that raised Christ from the dead now raises Him to a new life along with Christ. To any who may object to this or this or count it merely a narrow and private view of truth. Let me say God has set his hallmark of approval upon this message from Paul's day to the present. 
Whether Stan in these exact words or not, this has been the content of all preaching has through life and power to the world, through the centuries, the mystics, the reformers, the evangelists have put their emphasis here in signs and wonders and mighty operations of Holy Ghost witnesses to God's approval. Dare we, heirs of such a legacy of power, tamper with the truth. Dare we, with our stubby pencils, erase the lines of the blueprint or alter the pattern shown us in, mount, in the mount. May God, for, may God forbid, let us preach the old cross and we will know the old power. We will know the old power, that power that is in Christ, that power that we can live above the world, that power that we can fly as an eagle and we can rise above this world, sin and all those things. I like to read another thing here by Watchman Nee. Talks about, or the title of it is Our Life. The efficiency, efficiency of the cross, I'm not saying that we're right, of the cross can never be manifested in those who trust in their works. If I always try to do good, I will not be saved. But when I cease trusting myself and look up to the Lord, then I am saved. It is the same today. If the cross has not worked in me, I will be working all the time. In such a condition for me to say, not I, but Christ would be empty. And the, the book that he has is Not I But Christ. It's in Galatians 2.20. Uh, not I, but uh, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life that I now live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. <clears throat> not I, but Christ would be empty. I must learn to condemn myself. I am such a complete hopeless person that I neither try nor pray. I am just quiet on this Sure foundation, I raise my head and say, Lord, I trust you to live in me. I trust you to be humble for me. I trust you to overcome for me. I trust you to manifest your life. You are to live my whole life for me. Let me tell you what you say the Lord will do for you. If your conduct contradicts your faith, you cannot expect the Lord to do anything for you. This is something you must settle thoroughly. As, he, as soon as a person believes in the Lord, he should start to let Christ live in him. He will immediately experience Christ as his life and will always be afraid of his actions. What Romans 7 reveals is the activity of the dead. The man is already dead, yet he still wants to be active. Consequently, he destroys the work of God. Let us therefore learn to live before God. Make no move by ourselves, but only move in obedience to the Lord at that moment, we can really believe. Unless the foundation is right, the Christian life will always be weak. So new believers must be helped to this proper foundation. And the reason he has that in there uh, a couple of times about new believers, he actually wrote that book for new believers. <clears throat> the mystery of the gospel, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, verse 6 there, going back again to John, the contrast between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Antichrist. What is the difference? What is the difference between the contrast between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Antichrist? What is the difference? Uh, Matthew 5, see if I can quote it, 43. It says, You have heard that it has been said, 
Thou shalt love thy neighbor, but hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your, love your enemy, bless them that curse you, and do good to them that hate you, and so forth. What is the difference? In John 13, 34, and 35, Jesus says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have one for another. I don't know about you, but as I, again, as I was meditating on this passage here in John, and I was thinking of the Old Testament versus the New Testament, all those exploits that they did in the Old Testament. <clears throat> but there's a difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus brought in the New Testament. And He, he, also, he also says there in John, like I just quoted it, a new commandment I give unto you. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you. Now, how did he love us? How did he love us? Well, he laid down his life. He laid down his life for each and every one of us. What is the difference? Anybody want to want to want to say what is the difference? The difference between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of Antichrist. Jesus came and laid down His life. The Spirit of Antichrist will kill the Christian. The one will love and lay down his life. The other one will take up a gun and shoot or hate or whatever else you want to put in there. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples by the love you have one for another. <clears throat> Verse 7, he says, Beloved, let us love one another. I find it interesting in that verse that we just quoted out of John that Jesus said the very same thing. Love one another. <clears throat> Verse 11, he says, Beloved, if God love us, if God so loved us, let us love one another. This love lays down its life for others. Christ in you. Christ in you. It is not a worldly love. The Catholic's love killed others. God's love dies for others. The one lays down his life, the other takes life. Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. A new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. <clears throat> Verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and His love is perfected in us. As I was meditating on this, no man has seen God at any time. You know, God is up in heaven. We're down here. His children are down here. And in the Lord's Prayer, we, we, it goes something about uh, the, the, uh, <clears throat> our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Am I going to say it right, Daryl? 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Did I say it right? Isn't there a little word in there that we sometimes get mixed up? But anyways, that's not the point here this morning anyways. But uh, uh, the prayer there is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And this past week, I was looking into the whole aspect of evangelism. And my, my mind went to a message that uh, John D. Martin preached on, and it ties right into what we're talking about. I think it ties right into what we're talking about to a certain extent. He preached a message on the Save Me Gospel. How many of you read that? Don't remember it? Okay, we've got to get John D. out here then. The save me gospel. It's all about me getting, all about me going to heaven and, and that's all the Christian life is about. Well, brothers and sisters, it's more than that. Praise God, if we have salvation, when the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin and we come a new, become a new creature in Christ Jesus and old things pass away and behold, all things become new. But now God has a work for us to do. What is that work? The world doesn't see God. They see us. And so what am I saying here about the, the Lord's prayer there? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God wants His people. And for us here as a local body, God wants His will to be done in earth, on earth as it is in heaven. He wants what is happening in heaven. He wants that to be happening here. So that why? So that the world will see. How does it say there in John 15? That they all may be one as thou, Father, are in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. No man hath seen God. But God has a work for us to do. He wants us to be His true disciples who truly follow Him, who truly deny themselves and truly give themselves so that He can use us to representation of what's happening in heaven. Well, brothers and sisters, if we have a twisted warp of God's... Uh, uh, if you will, what we're talking about here this morning, we're not going to have the fruit of that. We're not going to have the fruit of that. <clears throat> so may God encourage us. May we be encouraged this morning to let God do all He wants to do in our hearts and our lives. <clears throat> no man has seen God. But the world wants to see God, Christ in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. There they are. There's some that are looking on. 
There's some that are that see some of the bad things that have happened in church life and church history, and they and they use that. But may God help us to give a clear kingdom message. <clears throat> Verse 15, it says there about uh, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, whosoever from a principle of loving faith will openly confessing in the face of all opposition and danger that Jesus is the Son of God, God abideth in Him. Verse 16, it's about, um, it's about dwelling in love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in Him. Psalms 91 there talks about abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Am I... Are you, my brother, my sister, are you abiding under the shadow of the Almighty? Uh, What a beautiful place to dwell. What a beautiful place to dwell. He that dwelleth in in love dwelleth in God and God in him. What a beautiful dwelling place. And maybe to bring it practical here, I had a couple thoughts on this. This past week, where was I dwelling? Where were you dwelling, brother, sister? Were you dwelling in, uh, I should be careful, I don't want to make anybody feel bad here this morning, but we all were dwelling, we were all doing things, we were working and and those things, but where were we really dwelling? You get it? I believe we can be uh, putting in windows and, and all the things that we do. We can be in this world, but we're not part of it. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in Him. And here you're in the middle of your job and the call comes that 17 uh, 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 Christians got, got captured and, and we don't know how ugly this could be. There you are dwelling in the love of God. You're dwelling in the presence of the Holy One. And you're, 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 your heart, your conscience is clear and you're able to Breathe a prayer up to a holy God who can do something what's happening over there in Haiti. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in Him. Verse 21. Try to wrap it up here. This commandment have we from Him that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. And I wanted to bring this thing down to where the rubber meets the road. You know, I've heard a preacher say or a teacher or whatever that if you preach a message, if you don't give anything that people can go home with, well, you were a flop as a preacher. So I want to make sure I'm not a flop today. <clears throat> but anyways, <clears throat> that's not the motive. Sorry about that one. <clears throat> but we have here, it says that he, also, he who loveth God loveth his brother also. And like I said in the beginning, I think I said it, my burden is this aspect of praying for each other. If you love your brother, if you love your sister, if you truly love them the way Christ loved you, and you know that they're going through a hard day, will you just pass it off and pass by and you see the person in need, but how dwelleth the love of God in you? You follow me? Are you with me? 
So I want to encourage us that we pray for each other. Maybe you don't even know if somebody's going through a hard time, especially if you know, then you really, then we really are guilty. We go our separate way or whatever. But uh, I'm not trying to bring guilt on anyone down here. I'm trying, or this morning, I'm trying to, I guess what my motivation is, is to encourage us to pray for each other. That we truly care. Carry each other's burdens. And you know, we have this thing of relationships and seemingly like we need to grow in our relationships. I believe this is one practical thing that we can do that will help us. I heard someone say here in this pulpit, I think it was, years ago, unfortunately, he's not here with us anymore. But he would have said something to this extent, and I believe it was right. I believe it was right. He said, I had a struggle with a brother, and I decided I'm going to pray for him. And when I started praying for him, something started happening. You know what happens when you start praying for others? And I think Mark has encouraged us to do that. Was it on prayer, at least uh, as far as uh, uh, caring for each other? But there's something that starts happening. Uh, Love obeys. You know, maybe maybe the feelings aren't there. Maybe you have some strained feelings there. But, but... But by faith, love obeys. Faith, instant action, like someone said. I like that. Faith, instant action. So let us pray for each other. Pray for each other. I will give you another thing that I found a blessing. I did it maybe a couple times in my life, but... As I, as I was preparing this, I want to encourage myself and all of us together. Did you ever take the time in the presence of God while you were on your knees and you went from Laverne and Leora down to the youngest married couple? Laverne, okay, I guess you, we could pray for his children. I was thinking mostly just the people here. And then you uh, see who's the oldest after Laverne, I think, maybe... I better be careful. Uh, anyways, <laughs> are you Daryl? <laughs> so I pray for Daryl and Rachel, and then I pray for their children. You just go on down the line that way. You know, there's something beautiful that happens when you do that. And unfortunately, as I did that one time, I, uh, I realized that I have some homework to do on some of the names. I could visualize them, and God knew by my, you know, being on my knees, and I, I could visualize this person. God knew who I meant, who I was praying for. I couldn't think of their name. <laughs> so don't let that deter you if you don't remember everyone's name. But I would encourage every single one of us to do that. Find the time to do that somewhere. <clears throat> Something beautiful will come out of that. <clears throat> Something beautiful will come out of that. And I wanted to give one more. The one here is that we pray for each other. The other one here is, and it's it's in John here. The one actually, the last one here, if you don't do this, the first one won't work. If you want to pray effectively for your brother or your sister, you're going to have to have a heart that is right, that is clear, that that is, yeah. Anyways, 
The second one is, if you see your brother have need, don't just bypass him and say, well, I hope, I, I hope he'll get it figured out. I hope uh, he makes more money next week, or I hope this, or I hope that. Um, give to your brother in need. If you know a, a brother has need, give him some of those, some of those uh, what are they called? See if I have some in here. Maybe a little bit more than one dollar. But even if it's done in faith and you truly only have one dollar to give, why God can multiply that dollar into a thousand dollars. Let us never doubt God. Whatever is done in faith, God will honor it. So if you see your brother, if you know your brother has need, and you have the means to do something about it, what would the love of Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Oh, but uh, um, we have a certain uh, regulation around here that we only do if, if it's a certain amount or this or that. You know, we uh, this and we that, and I'm, 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 I'm kind of whatever here this morning, but <laughs> well, all I'm saying is sometimes we come up with good reasonings to reason around when actually God wants us to do something about it. So may God help us that we care for each other. If we want God's kingdom to come, His will to be done. Think of the book of Acts where they had all things in common and if, if a man had two houses and, and a brother had a need or an orphan or a, or a widow or whatever, he sold that house and he... And he, uh, and he uh, I don't know, I guess the money went to... Yeah, he sold the house. He didn't need it. Uh, he had a, he, yeah, and he... Whatever. That, the spirit and the heart of that. To me, that's... That's the kingdom of heaven on earth. So may God help us. May God help us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let's remember the little birdie. You know, if we want to fly this week, we're going to have to be in Christ. And, you know, I, I was thinking of that, and we could go on and on. I, I, I'm probably losing my audience. but <laughs> uh, <clears throat> This whole aspect of, so I'm a child of God, but yet somehow it doesn't seem to be working. Well, there's an aspect of walking after the flesh and after the spirit. So let us walk after the spirit, and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. To me, that's almost a guarantee, isn't it? If we walk after the spirit, after Christ, those things will flow out of our lives. You walk after the flesh, you will... Where's the birdie? You will die like this little birdie. Walk after the Spirit. I wish, I wish I would have brought... I wish I would have got a live birdie, but I didn't. <laughs> Delvin, or... Uh, Delvin, I'm sorry. Anyways, so let's fly in the heavenlies this past week. We are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, I have three things to say in closing. What do you think it is? I'll start off with John says it here, and it's in, in, in what we read it. We read it three times. John says, Beloved, let us love one another. Let us love one another.